Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. And I'm Taryn Schwartz, and I'm on the product design team. I'm Karen Mooney, and I head up branding at Ballard. Hi, thanks for joining us. We're so excited to bring you what we're calling our How to Lay Out a Room episode. Our guest today is Miriam Luthold. I don't know your title, but she basically is in charge of (laughs) all of... (laughs) I don't know what you do here, but you're an in-house expert on interior design. Well, I know what you do. I don't know what the title of what you do is. You know what I'm saying? Well, the title doesn't exactly match it, but it's okay because it's all fun anyway. What (laughs) is your title, though? Customer Experience Manager. Okay, but by trade, you are an interior designer. That is correct. And we have um, in all of our retail stores, as well as in our customer service center and online on how to decorate and online on our website, we have our design solutions, which is design services, and you manage all of them. So you train them in the retail stores, you... Tell, I don't know. Tell, what do you do? That's exactly right. Yeah. I train them in the stores, get them up and ready, and they are ready to partner with everybody that calls in, writes in, visits our stores to help them pull all their plans together and just be a real partner in their project. So how much does that cost if I'm a customer and I need it help? It is free. I set you up on that one. <laughs> yes, you did. I do. It is free. <laughs> so any so Joe great. Schmo or Susie Schmo yeah. can write Susie in Schmo. or come into the store. <laughs> I guess it should be Jenny Schmo, right? Well, Instead of Joe Schmo, it'd be Jen Schmo. Anyway, so Jen <laughs> Schmo needs some help, it, whether it's a whole house or a room or just picking out a rug, and she comes in and she gets free mm-hmm. help. That's exactly right. We that can we can create a plan for them. We can just help them in the moment, mm-hmm. call them on-demand design, or we can put together an entire plan for them based on their floor, their actual furniture layout. I mean, um, excuse me, their floor plan. Do you do a whole house? We can, it? yes. We have that capability, and a, a majority of the people that are in the program come from interior design background, so they're well qualified to do that. So all the people that are I come in and ask a question to, they know what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, and... You also sort of coordinate the answering of our decorating dilemmas, questions that we get in That's right. through our website and blog. And so one of the reasons I want you to be our guest is because the most common we question we get mm-hmm. through our decorating dilemmas, and I assume it's in the store too. It is. Is how to lay out a room. Yes. Yes. It's hard. It and is. so you're the perfect person to help us Yay. answer that question. We'll have fun chatting about it. Instead of our trials and triumphs this week, we had a request from a listener to talk about how a product gets made. So A Ballard product. Yes, a Ballard product. Mm-hmm. There you go. Because we don't really know about other people's. Yes. <laughs> we only speak from our own experience. Oh, are there others? No, there is no, no. Only Ballard. <laughs> Seriously. Well, we're the only ones with a podcast, so I feel like we cornered the market. There you go. <laughs> yeah. They might do it similar. We don't know. But Taryn, you're like, a, you you know all about this because you are yes. so involved in every step of the way. Tell us about yes. how a Ballard product gets made. Well, this is my job, so I feel like I should know. Yeah. If not, <laughs> if not you're fired. <laughs> exactly. I knew but, that's but how But the majority of our product is designed by us. Yes. What percent would you say? 90%? I, I think we're higher than that. Mm-hmm. We're much higher than that. So we design it, we make mm-hmm. it, we sell it. So good. Yes. How does it happen? Well... 
we obviously analyze our sales, figure out what's missing, what's some opportunities. Um, we listen to customers who even give advice or, hey, I wish this was another color or, hey, this would be great if it did X, Y, Z. And sometimes that will even help to influence um, what we're creating. Um, sometimes it's solution-based, you know, how can we make your home better? You know, how can we make your spaces cleaner, less cluttered, um, more oh, functional? Because remember on the episode we just had with Rebecca McKelvey, Miriam, mm-hmm. you probably haven't heard it yet because it's not out yet, but we just recorded it. And Rebecca mm-hmm. is the wife of our president. And she was talking about how one of our items, the Miranda Corner cabinet, was something that she needed in her house. And she kept complaining to her husband, our president, <laughs> I need a little corner cabinet for my bathroom to hold like little TP or whatever. Um, and we made it. It's like one of our number one items. So like you're saying, solution-based stuff. Yes, because small footprints um, or is it being able to charge your phone, being able to um, work your space as tight as possible and store as much as you can. Um, but again, keep your house beautiful um, and as possible. So we obviously... We travel the world and for inspiration and um, inspiration in the world around us and at markets and um, either use that inspiration and design something similar that fits our girl and fits our, the needs of our customer. Um, or, for instance, we do go to Paris and we'll buy antiques there and bring them in-house and then from there we can tweak them, um, build them into something more. Sometimes we'll even ship the antiques straight to our vendors and they can copy them. We can do whatever finish we want. Sometimes we want to copy a finish. Um, we get inspiration from any corner but because um, we just love stuff and we love pretty things <laughs> and we love shiny things and we... <laughs> Shiny. One yes. of the things I thought was so funny is when we were at Miles' house, he was like, um, when am I going to get my stuff back? Because he had sent us a lot of his original items. Yeah, antiques that he had. Photograph mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so he was like, um, I really need my chair back. <laughs> no, we're keeping that. Well, for instance, so he had a chair that was an antique he really liked. And so we actually were able to ship it to the vendor who cast it directly. So, you will you know, you'll have a replica of this exact same chair that he loves. Um, so and that's a case where... Yeah, I'm sure he wants it back, but he's got to wait. He'll get it back, plus a lot more, because we're going to sell him. Um, But we have broken things before. Remember that time we dropped Suzanne Kassler's item into a vat of acid accidentally at the vendor? What? We didn't do it. The vendor did. Oh. Yeah, it was like a, you know, priceless antique. (laughs) Just fell into a vat of acid. It's definitely priceless now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got a beautiful patina. Yes. (laughs) It's clear. (laughs) Disintegrated into dust. Things yeah. like that happen. So yeah. we have to be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make that phone call. Not me. Not me. <laughs> Probably Ryan. Yeah. So um, then we, you know, we take, we, we send it to our vendors, and we'll send our drawings or our inspiration to our vendors. And Taryn does them. all of our drawings. Well, she has a team of three people. Yes. That's true. Mm-hmm. And you and your team do all of our drawings. <laughs> yes. I just think it's so cool to see the drawings and the CAD drawings and then you and can then see, see the, the real drawings. Yeah. My job's really fun because you always start somewhere and in the end there's always something you can actually touch and hold and either it's really bad and you messed up and it's very <laughs> obvious or it looks really good and you're really excited to see it in real life. Yeah. Um, but yes, so then we send everything to the vendors and we work with, with them 
uh, through art and material and finish to get the best possible product and um, get everything to the quality that we as a you know as a company assumes the best require yeah. right. So how long is that process? Um, from well. That's not even the end, Carolyn. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. So then they... Sh- it takes That's a while. Hold two. on. <laughs> so then they... Um, the vendors will ship samples over here and or we'll actually go and visit our vendors um, and see all the samples and review the details and everything in person. Um, we drop test it to make sure that everything mm-hmm. with the packaging works and all the packaging so and everything is... So what is a drop is- test? What does that mean? Well, we go through the packaging design as well because this has to make it from our vendor to our warehouse to you without falling apart or like Don't breaking we literally or drop mm-hmm. it yes mm-hmm. you have to drop it it's every corner and every side of the box and it's from like 30 inches in the air or something like yes that. like so we each have item gets dropped yeah. like 18 times or something yeah there's mm-hmm. a very specific way they do it you're out you're out of my league of yeah. like there is a <laughs> team that in is in charge now. of this yes <laughs> this is past where the designing ends right, and we right, go right. into quality and yeah so compliance. every item before it's approved mm-hmm. to be sold has to pass drop test mm-hmm. so we won't even photograph it to, if it does if it hasn't come in we've drop tested it and the crew that does that they you know they take a photo after every drop mm-hmm. and then as they open it they open the flaps take a photo take out the first piece of layer styrofoam or whatever take a photo take it out take a photo like they're documenting all of that so that not only can we see if the item passed that first time you know in a year and a half or two years if we start getting some kind of return rate issue mm-hmm. with an item oh well, what's happening like that console usually has a one percent turn rate return rate and now it has an eight percent return rate what's going on we can audit that process and order one in and compare um how it's currently being packaged to how the approved mm-hmm. package was to make sure that it's not something in the packaging or maybe a finish got shifted in the factory or something like that there's lots of quality control steps that are going in place there all the time mm-hmm. all the time doesn't that yeah. sound interesting and exciting? It's yeah. not as exciting. You're all drawing the item, but still. <laughs> I mean, Very you know, important. we work really hard to make it a great quality item, so we want it to be intact when it gets in your home. Yeah, yeah. so that's just another section of the actual <laughs> product life. <laughs> um, Step two, B. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, once we get the product the way we want it to look, and it's packaged correctly, and we're really excited, then we get a sample in here, in the house, in-house, where... We now it's time to photo take it on our photo shoots. So we lay out the rooms. We figure out how we, we want to show it in the um, catalog and show it to you guys in its best light. And um, so we use those samples and we go out on shoot and uh, I mean and they put make it, it a ringer. I mean mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. we have a team of guys and they're like uh, they're amazing. They move everything into a warehouse and they load it all up on the truck. They say, like, okay, well, we're never shooting this room today. So they get all, I mean, imagine, like, sofas and chairs and bookcases and rugs and, like, mm. a ton of stuff. Well, imagine if you've ever moved. I'm sure everyone who's listening has moved at least once in their life. And imagine how painful that is, right? Yeah. And you're moving one house. Well, they're moving, like, five houses, maybe more, seven houses, five times a year. Mm-hmm. In and out and in and out. It's just and, like, ugh. And they have to keep track of those products. So if you were to say, like, oh, well, I need this one particular, like, fork pattern, they have to know where in a huge warehouse it is and make sure we have 12 of them or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, that's a big part of their job, too. Mm-hmm. That's in addition to just moving stuff, they have to, like, 
keep it organized, Ugh. which is, wow. I mean, that's rough. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> But they're awesome. Yeah, (laughs) but they're awesome. awesome. Yeah, no, the photo team's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in house too, we present the new designs and all of our new product for the for each season season to every team um, to let them see what's new and get them excited. Especially teams that haven't touched it yet, because usually at this point, my team's like, yeah, yeah, good, we're done, we're out of here. (laughs) I don't want to see that again. Yeah, and it's moving on through the rest of um, of Ballard and. On to marketing. Well, then we, yeah, then we start telling the story of the yeah. product. So we start mm-hmm. crafting all those stories and, you know, what are those trends for the season and what are the interesting things mm-hmm. we can talk about, whether it's textures or colors or um, trend or styles mm-hmm. and uh, quality stories or and functionality stories. And that's all the stuff we talked about, you know, nine months before this. And so now it's pulling and, and talking mm-hmm. through where, think, again, telling the story of where we did begin. Was it an antique and, and telling you guys that story? Um, and so that was that was where I kind of ended, and it really does take a year, essentially. Yeah, yeah, from the glimmer of an idea in your brain to being able to order it or purchase it, it's about a year. Having it in inventory. Mm-hmm. Well, that's long. That's yeah. love and long. <laughs> so when we see something we like, we we move as quick as we can to try to get it in your hands so that you can be spot on on trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It's an exciting process. Cool. Mhm. I learn something every time we do this. Podcast. Pretty awesome. <laughs> it is really fun, and at the beginning, it's always fun because people, everyone has an opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you look at everything out there, and some things you hate, some trends mm-hmm. you like, and when you're designing product, it is definitely that. It's the pull and push of, does this work? Do we like this? And some people are like, oh my god, that's ugly. And you're like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes things we love are really poor performers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so taking your own personal opinion out of the equation is hard because, you know, I love it, I want to do it. It's like that is never going to sell, mm-hmm. you know. We do think through things. We have a team down there, and we talk about, again, we look at what we have and what we're missing and what opportunities and what mm-hmm. holes. Maybe this doesn't go in her, you know, she has more of a rustic. Yeah farmhouse look what else can we provide for her to finish off that look um well uh, in turnover which is when all the merchants always present stuff to the rest of the team people are people are brutal in there too and i'm always like wait <laughs> you know the person that either designed that or there was their idea they're like sitting three people away from you like they can hear you probably don't <laughs> talk about how hideous it is <laughs> well that's the thing though it's it's so subjective mm-hmm. you know i mean like we've talked about before we all have Ballard stuff in our homes but our homes all look so different from each other Mm -hmm. so of course we're not all going to love the same things and that's as it should be Mm -hmm. you know it's not a cookie cutter look so there should be things in there that maybe you don't love but there are things you definitely love and Mm -hmm. the person sitting next to me will be ooing and awing about something that I'm like (laughs) you know but that's just because we all have different taste good yeah so make it your own yeah that's right make it your own All right, Miriam, let's talk to you about how to lay out a room. I'm excited. Miriam, help okay, us let's be do. smarter and solve all of our problems. Oh, my. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> okay, what do you want to talk about a layout of a room? How do you want to approach it? Well, I mean, I guess maybe let's maybe start with the basics, like, kind of picking your focal point that's what what i feel like is does every room have to have a focal point not necessarily but you kind of end up with one Mm. 
because it just it brings your eye into the room and it causes a place for your eye to rest. So does that necessarily need to be like one big thing or one bold statement or does no. it become a window or a fireplace or what? Exactly, all of the above. It could, it could really be anything, anything that draws your, when you walk into the room, like the first thing that your eyes look at, it, it typically becomes the focal point of the room. Sometimes it's architectural, um, which is a fixed point, And, you know, of course, don't have much flexibility with that. But then it also could be furniture or movable pieces or um, collections of things or th there's a lot of different ways you could approach that focal point within a space. But especially when you think about living rooms, that seems to be one of our, in the stores, one of our biggest um, challenges that customers ask about. It's usually just how to lay out the furniture itself, you know, how to even approach the room. And a lot of times the way that you can start is with a really good rug, especially if you have a hardwood floor. Um, that's a challenge sometimes if you have the carpet, um, you know, wall-to-wall -wall carpet. But typically with the hardwood floors, that is a really good foundation for the room because that if you position a good rug, that kind of creates your focal point because you have to lay it out or orient it somehow in the room. Everything has to sit on that rug? Is um, that a rule or no? No. Okay. No. Typically like your conversation cluster, which we kind of affectionately call it, a conversation cluster where you have all your, your conversations with your people. Um, most of the furniture works best if it's on that rug. And if you get larger or outside of that, the room probably is big enough to handle another conversation cluster. Typically you're areas of conversation, you don't want to go any larger than eight to 10 feet. Um, and it usually houses comfortably, and I say houses, seats someone comfortably um, between six and eight people. Sometimes you can squeeze 10 in, but that's when it gets a little larger. Mm -hmm. um, but if you typically start with that good rug and like an eight by 10 is a really good basic, right? It's a good standard because it's an eight by 10. Um, then you can put your sofa or your chairs or whatever's needed um, in your particular space. Mm -hmm. But that can, if you orient that in the room for whatever your focal point is, that's just a really good starting point. Now, there's always going to be an exception. There's always going to be a unique architecture feature about a room. And I think that's where you begin to look at and evaluate what the focal point is in the room. So like, say for instance, you have an older home, it's really unique. Um, maybe it has some unique architectural features about it. That can become the focal point for the room and trying to highlight it. But say for instance, you come into room and there's, you know, sometimes the older homes have really oddly placed windows, or maybe it's a a mishmash. Yeah, not symmetrical. I think yeah. that's what a lot of people don't like. Right. Is when things don't feel symmetrical in their room. Yeah. Like, oh, my, my sofa isn't centered on the fireplace, or it's not centered on the windows, or it's not centered in the room. Mm -hmm. Like, well, who cares? Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, symmetry is the easiest way to create a focal point in the space, of course. I mean, that's the simplest approach. Um, but yeah, when you have the odd windows, the odd door placements, that can become a challenge. And going back, I think if you determine what your function is in the space, like if it truly is just a conversation, okay, where is that going to happen in the space? Where is that mm -hmm. going to happen in the room? How many people do I need to seat? Back to that six to eight people. Um, 
and then being able to use that information to determine where you're going to start with all of that. Mm -hmm. If you have one big wall, let's start with the one big wall. Where does that orient in the room? So do you feel like you should start with the largest challenge and kind of work back from there? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think, first of all, be the function of the space. Uh You know, what do you want to accomplish in space? Is it going to be a hangout for all of your family? Or is it going to be, oh, we're just going to use it when we have entertaining? Mm-hmm. Like formal living room versus right. den. Mm-hmm. Or just, yeah, or just a small place where you're, you're going to have our reading and your coffee every morning or right. something like that. Um, I think that's the function piece of it is, the, is where you would determine first. Mm-hmm. And then um, based on that, you could go with looking at that focal point and how how am I going to accomplish that function in the room with that focal point? One of the things I always think about when I'm laying out a space is how are you most often entering that room? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're probably going to be looking at going into your living room from the kitchen and that's like your big traffic area, have the focal point be like at the end of where you're walking into, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like the wall mm-hmm. you're looking at as you're entering it, that's just a, a, to me always really nice because it, that big drama moment mm-hmm. like pulls you in, but you could also have multiple mm-hmm. focal points in a room, two mm-hmm. different walls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think we get that question a lot when people have a fireplace and a TV and they don't, they don't know what to do with it. They can't maybe hang the TV right. in the fireplace. So they they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then that's when you have maybe two, Mm-hmm. bigger things, you know. And yeah. then I was just going to say, and then that just comes down to, in that particular case, if they have a fireplace and a TV, like, do you orient it right next to the fireplace? Um, mm-hmm. Do you do it on the opposite side of the room? Um, like I was working with somebody recently who they have a fireplace on one wall, the opposite wall behind has a big, massive entertainment unit across the room from each other. So the focal points are in the opposite walls. And then in addition to that, they're staggered. Mm. So in other words, the fireplace is towards one end of the room Mm. and the entertainment wall is towards the other end of the room. And so at that point, you just had to, we had to determine what's what's your function in the space. Do you want to look at your fireplace or are you all about the TV? Mm -hmm. And they said, we're all about the TV. All right. Then the fireplace becomes the accessory, mm-hmm. and the the flat screen becomes the focal point. Well, you do like two chairs by the fireplace in that case, if it's wide enough, just to give another mm-hmm. little bitty chat space mm-hmm. and finish it off. Yes. Okay. In this particular case, we just pulled up some little um, stools, because there really wasn't enough space to pull up an actual chair. Yeah. So we just staggered a couple of little um, stools right in front of the fireplace, just for a little moment, you know, mm-hmm. in to the make way. make it feel intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because right. where this place was was up north, and so they're, you know, it's cold. And they would have moments where they could sit on the little bench, and yeah. Well, you mentioned awkward door placement mm-hmm. a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. I have this in my own home, and I see it in a lot of homes that are the age of my house, which is like 1920s, where you open the front door and you're right in the living room. Mm-hmm. How yeah. how does one make a living room, how does one make that work? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you don't. <laughs> uh-huh, sorry. <laughs> well, the thing about it is when you, when you have those situations, you know, probably your knee-jerk reaction would be, 
put the sofa there to create that break, right? That oh, entry. Like next to the... Right, right, when you walk in. Mm-hmm. But that really blocks off the openness, the graciousness of the space because you want to feel invited to go into that space. And so the moment you put something there, trying to create that entryway mm-hmm. feel, um, it immediately blocks off that area. So I think if you can give a visual break in that space, but still allow it to feel open to walk into it, I would think that would probably be the best approach like for your your mm-hmm. case. Um, a lot of times you can you can achieve that with um, do you have chairs? I have a chair. Yeah, yeah, so the chair kind of when you walk chairs. in the front door, there's a wall on the right and door into the dining room and then the left my whole living room is there and I on the left I just have like a little round maybe 18 24 inch side table and then the a chair so the back of a chair is there so you mm-hmm. don't have a long way to get around it to get mm-hmm. into the space and it but I started with the sofa like you're saying with mm-hmm. the sofa right on the left and you had to go around it to get into the room and all that and just and, feels blocked uh, off yeah it? And, yeah yeah, not welcoming at all, Mm-mm. like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you, in those particular type layouts, you need additional seating. Mm-hmm. So it's like you really have to place furniture there for seating purposes, for the functional part of right. it. Mm-hmm. So you can't just leave it unattended. Totally open. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you definitely, I think just... Whatever you put there, if it feels open, like slatted pieces or um, that, just pieces that feel airy, yeah, is the most successful, right? Not that like or, or, or a bench, or right? Or like a bench or stools or ottomans or something that there's really free, free flowing air across that space. What about large um, open floor plans? Yes, because that's really like the thing, isn't it? People do that. Yeah, there are. The open feeling, yes, that open concept is definitely um, very popular, um, especially at the new construction. So it goes back to what I said originally, when you think about those conversation clusters or those those spaces, those eight by 10, if you really stay within that eight by 10 rule that gives you the ideal conversation area, if your room needs more than that, then you break it up into multiple spaces. Okay. Um, so think about it as multiple rooms, even though there's no walls. Yes. Yes. And then you can use pieces of furniture to back up to each other, or you can use um, pieces of furniture that can be common to both areas. Like if you have two different um, conversation clusters, say to join the two, you would have a backless sofa or an oversized bench or something that could be accessed from both areas. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing would be where you could back two sofas up to each other and put a, put a console in between, um, just where there's that central location. Or it could be you have a space where it's big enough for one conversation cluster, but it's not quite big enough for two. So then yeah. what do you do at that point? Yeah. Well, then you just create those moments, Tara, kind of like what you said in front of a fireplace where you bring in a little chair and a little side table and a lamp, and we've got you know, amazing little side tables, just perfect for that. And just create those moments in the room and and not be too concerned about 
how formal it feels or if it if it's right for the central conversation mm-hmm. cluster, but more of does it feel comfortable because those are just moments as opposed to your yeah. kind of conversation event in the middle. Mm-hmm. One thing I've been seeing more and more from designers is like banquettes. Mm-hmm. In a living room, I feel like Mark Sykes had a good example when I was flipping through his book where it's a big living room, not big enough for two full seating areas. So, mm-hmm. like, one side he had a little sort of corner, like, most likely custom-made banquette and, like, a little coffee table. Sort of, like, imagine if you're, like, at a cocktail party or something mm-hmm. and it's not meant to lounge on. It's meant to just, like, perch. kind of perch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of cute. I always like that, mm-hmm. if especially if you have a weird, um, you know, you can't. It's not it's not a big enough size for two, and you kind of have a weird area, and you need something heavy. It can really there again. It's just a little moment. Yeah, hold its own. It's just like a little moment in the corner, Mm -hmm. or it's creating its little moment in the corner. Yeah, yeah. So, what if you have a living room that is just a big box with windows? You don't have a fireplace. You don't have any big doors. How do you create a focal point from nothing? Well, usually in those situations, you're going to have a wall that's going to be the most dominant in the space, and that's where you start, because that's going to be the anchor to your space. Because, again, what you like what you said earlier, you're going to have to walk into the room somehow. So as you walk into that room, where, like, without any furniture in it, and you're just looking at it, what is the largest wall? What is the biggest space? Because that's what's going to be able to easily anchor or ground that conversation cluster or that um, furniture group. Mm-hmm. So do you do like a big console with a mirror? Do you do your media center? I mean, I guess it seems like if it's your... a living room and put your sofa, wouldn't it? Yeah. You okay. definitely yeah. put your major seating. Mm-hmm. But there again, it goes back to what is your function? Mm-hmm. Is it just to hang out and do you need a TV in the space? I mean, most of us do anymore. Most of us want to, you know, bigger and better. Do you have right? a television in your bedroom, Miriam? I don't. <gasps> You're like the first person we've asked who said no. I don't. I don't. Except for you two. <gasps> so maybe the people we've asked. Karen, do you have a TV in yes. your space? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the secret to marital bliss. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, Karen. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. What about televisions over fireplaces? I know that a lot of people have no other option, but... Um, do you feel like that's an ideal situation? I feel like it's too high up in the air for your neck. It, it really depends on the, the fireplace and how high mm. it is. Because to your point, if you put it above the fireplace, most mantles, if you sit back, I mean, you're just going to have to like lounge in, lounge in your sofa um, to watch it or you're going to get a real kink in your neck. Mm. But there are some situations, you know, where the fireplaces are smaller. Strategically, they've been built to be smaller. The mantles are lower then it works. Mm -hmm. Um, There again, it goes back to what is your primary function in the space? Mm -hmm. You know, is it going to be, you're going to be watching movies in here all the time? Your family's going to be hanging out and that is the primary thing you're watching TV? Well, then we have to really focus on how we're going to handle that screen. Like, do we put it next to the fireplace? Do we add a piece of furniture? Do we hang it on the wall and create the focal point from that? Do we take the screen and the fireplace and maybe do some detailing millwork or whatever to add the two pieces, you know, the mm-hmm. two focal points together. So it feels like one big massive look. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are people hiding their televisions these days or are they just letting them 
Hang loose. Hang loose. Mm. <laughs> hang loose. Hang loose. You know, historically, we were all about hiding them, but I think they're getting so much bigger and sexier and yeah. massive that I think people you, are proud. Yeah. Look you how can't big. really hide them. Especially just, some of the guys, they're just like, bigger the better. Yes. <laughs> I just feel like, it, why would you hide? Like, what's the point? I mean, yeah. We all know it's there. It's there, and like, if you, I just don't see really the point of hiding it. I feel like if you have a slim one, I feel like we have a, we have a slim one that is just hung on the wall, mounted on the wall. Mm-hmm. There's art all around it. There's a pretty piece of furniture underneath. Like, it's. I mean, I it's could there, see if but you it's have a, a formal living room and you want to, you know, have cocktail parties without mm-hmm. your television being right in the middle of it. I could see, like. A little more sophisticated space. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that, that house tour that we just did with Virginia mm-hmm. Cheek, I was looking at that just today, and I was showing that to you, Miriam, where she built um, this really shallow, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, thing around it. Yeah, it's an it, it looks like it's an like armoire, yeah. and it had a dark background, so you literally you couldn't yeah. even tell there was television. Yeah. But it's in plain view because yeah. of the dark wall, you couldn't tell. Yeah, it's hiding in plain sight, I think, is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Maggie Griffin did that well, too, in her living room. She had like a, well, she had a screen over it, but. And what's I the name of that, that thing that we sell that does that? Who's, who, does anyone know? Oh, the sh- TV shutter cabinet? No, the one that, it's a, it's a large. It's Shlum Chadwick? No. Oh. It's a large... <laughs> keep going. Okay, let's try Everyone again. keep guessing. It's that large unit, and it has shelves, but it's it's sort of Belgian oak color, but the back of it is painted oh, dark gray. Oh, yeah, Martine. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you the shelves are all flexible, so you can pull shelves out and put mm-hmm. in whatever size television you want, even a really massive one. Mm-hmm. And you can't see it against that dark gray yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And we have quite a few, too, TV... Pretty TV oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. shutter yeah. cabinets mm-hmm. that are like and... you hang on your wall and you hang your TV inside too. Yeah. If you have a reasonable TV. Right. If you have. Not my TV. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, they're so centralized to our lives now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we don't just sit around and watch TV and on them anymore. Right. I mean, we, they They're are so TVs. integral part mm-hmm. of our lives. Yeah. Now. You can like get on YouTube. And oh yeah. You can do Play whatever. Your music through it. Yeah. Play I mean, your games. Yeah. Gaming. Yeah. Photos. We'll stream photos yes. during like parties on them. Music. Yeah. Music. Yeah. Let's talk about traffic flow because okay. I feel like that's hard to, mm-hmm. you know, they say like, oh, you got to seat like six to eight. You want enough seating for that. If you've got a small space, that can be really challenging to have both, you know, have an easy open traffic flow where you don't feel like you're being blocked off, but also have plenty of seating. What's, what are y'all's go to? suggestions for that well the suggestion is is just making sure you have a minimum minimum and this is for the smaller spaces of 24 inches um you you know in every situation in the unique architecture you can always squeeze you can always make it work you know and there's some situations that you're okay with those little confined spaces but just for general uh, standards and comfort Really, the best is 30 to 36. That's the standard, the architectural, the architectural standard. What, um, for, for like egress between a coffee table yeah. and a sofa? Well, okay, or so, sorry. So, traffic flow around major pieces of furniture. Okay. Oh, like empty sorry. space to leave around your. Got it, got it, got yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. Like leave a path of 36 yeah. inches. A traffic got flow it. or traffic space between around the major pieces of furniture is 30 to 36 inches. You can eke out 24 inches. Um, between smaller pieces mm-hmm. or in between pieces. Now, to answer your, uh, what you mentioned about the 
in front of a coffee table, mm-hmm. you know, between the sofa and coffee table. It's usually between 12 and 18 inches. You know what I can't stand is when I go to someone's house and I cannot reach the coffee table. Why yeah, is it so far all the way away? In the middle. Bring it really close to mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. it needs to be like an arm's length. Yeah. Well, and then if you think about it, if you have your sofa and you have your coffee table and then somebody on the other side and you think about the measurements in between and the 18 inches, really that doesn't get any bigger than eight feet. If you start getting bigger than eight feet, it's then to far. your point, you're right. Then you, well, then you have to drink tables, or yes. you need to pull up something for someone to place Yeah, a Plus, drink. you're too far away from people, too. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not comfortable to talk to someone so far away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a weird feeling. I think people typically overestimate how much room to leave between the sofa mm-hmm. and the coffee table. Like, they leave too much. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, you're right. It's you really don't need any more than 18. Yeah. I mean, 18 is a, a foot good. and a half. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. Exactly. It's close. Just enough to sit and somebody could squeeze by if they needed to or whatever. Right, but, um, the main thing is just gra- yeah, being able to grab your drinks or whatever, or books, whatever, off the coffee table. The remote. The remote. <laughs> most realistically. The most yeah, important part of it. <laughs> or that yeah. you're not laying on it. <laughs> but one of the things when you think about um, going back to the conversation cluster or just a cluster within a space, if you, if you establish that within a space, say like the 8 by 10 rug, and you put – you confine a majority of your activity on in, within that bubble per se mm-hmm. it sets up a traffic flow within a room so going back to what we were talking about where you said you enter a room and then you have your eight by ten space well your traffic flow is going to automatically happen somewhere wherever those doors are and so the main thing you want to keep in mind is you want to minimize crossing through that cluster like or between that, the coffee table and the sofa right that's you, not comfortable right you want to you want to skirt the perimeter of that space and mm-hmm. that sets up the traffic flow and then those traffic flows should be the 24 to 36 inches mm-hmm. of those major traffic patterns yeah that makes sense makes sense to me yeah because in my house like my living room um you can walk through it to get to the sunroom so, which is where all the kids play video games or whatever. And so if I want to have, so I have two chairs and a sofa, the chairs are at either end of the sofa. And if I wanted to have something on the other side of the coffee table facing into that sofa, I either have to push it really, 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 really close to the coffee table or push it all the way over to the fireplace and let it live with the fireplace. So you can walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So then you can always pull it up to the seating area from the fireplace if you want, but having it actually be in the right spot would be right in the middle of traffic. Mm -hmm. So it has to go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've done in my house, and I don't know if this is right, but it works for me, is... uh, (laughs) We'll be the judge. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I guess kind of the rule of thumb is like only two people really are going to sit on the sofa together at once, or like that's the most comfortable. Once two people sit down, people are going to go to the other spots next. So really, I only have seating for four all the time Mm -hmm. but I have some chairs on an opposite wall it's not pulled up to the cluster but they're light easy chairs you can pull them up and so then yeah Yeah. if we have guests over which we don't all that often you know maybe like once every couple weeks they'll pull them up and it's it's easy so I guess if you have a small space that's always my recommendation because that's why they're called occasional chairs because you use them occasionally there you go. So underrated. Oh, uh-huh. I so love smart. an occasion. Right? So smart. Words. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Chair, well, like Miles says, like if he could have any stock store in the world, it'd be a chair store. You know, because mm-hmm. there's oh so many shapes and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they're fun. So many styles. And mm-hmm. pick a fun pabri- fabric. Pick like an unusual mm-hmm. silhouette. Like make it a fun. They're, great. they're the hardest to actually design. Chairs are. God damn. <laughs> Yeah, to get them to feel good. Yeah, yeah. you want to be comfy in them. Yeah. 
You guys should read that book. Have you guys read that book, Chair? Is that the name of it? I think that's the name of it. I'll find it and we'll have to put the link in the show notes because okay. it's all about the development of the chair and it goes all the way back because like the idea of having an item to sit on was not even a concept like you know still over um in the eastern world there's a lot of like squatting and you know there's mm-hmm. not chairs or not that's right. really a western development um but even before that the, the concept of privacy so you have your own room, like everybody in a family and all, there was one room, everybody's sleeping everybody in there. it, everybody's making yeah. out in it, um, <laughs> yeah. doing all those things <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, and so then as, you know, then they were like, well, let's, we could have a table to eat on, you know, or a thing to sit on to do this task. Like that whole development, it was just a really interesting book. You guys have to read it. It's called, yeah. I think it's called Chair. I'll find it. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's really That's cool. cool. Mm-hmm. So now we don't have to squat. We mm-hmm. can sit on our occasional chairs. Mm-hmm. More cute fabric. Do people often question about bedroom or office layouts as well? Mm-hmm. Are there any tips or tricks for those type of rooms? Mm-hmm. Let me pause for a moment. Pause. <laughs> Deep thinking. There's well, smoke I was trying to think. You ears. only have a bed, a dresser, maybe something on the end of your bed, mm-hmm. two nightstands if you can fit them. There's really not, you, yeah, I mean, there's really not much you can do with a bedroom unless it's oversized. Yeah, some yeah. of those really big ones, I feel like, are Ooh, really awkward. hard to, yeah. yeah, why do people build those? Because it's not know. like, really, it's not like you're going to be hanging out on that extra sofa. No. My friend you're gonna bought a house. You're going to throw your clothes on it. That's yes, all you're literally with a sitting area off of their, like, in their bedroom, there is a place to put a sofa or, like, two big chairs mm-hmm. and, like, built-in bookcases. And I was like, so you guys hang out up here? <laughs> they don't even have kids, so it's not like they don't use their downstairs. So it's basically a studio apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Anyone in New York right now is crying because right. this was literally yeah. a whole yeah. house. Yeah. A whole house. But, yeah. I was. I wondered the same it's thing. It's just more to furnish. It really is. I Maybe also it, just think, like, it, you're just, it's going to be a mound of clothes. That's, That's what it is. Yeah. Every flat surface Clean laundry needs yeah. to be folded. <laughs> Because it's not like you'd even want it to be like a workout place or because yeah, you yeah, have that in your room. Yeah, that just makes you feel guilty all the time if you're not on it, especially when you're laying in bed just watching TV. Me. That's right, with ice cream. <laughs> well, a lot of times it's bedroom sizes. You know, if they're just big enough to put a little reading area, maybe somebody gets up in the morning and they want to. Maybe they do have kids and they're like, don't want to approach them yeah. yet. I need my quiet moment in the morning mm-hmm. with my coffee and my reading. I mean, if you had a space big enough for a chair or a little side table and a lamp for reading or just propping up your feet at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But other than that, when you start getting big, to your point, you just have to fill it with a lot of furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because really, you know, it's a bed. Yeah. Side tables. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe lamps. something to sit down. Right. Good reading lamps. Yeah. I don't have room for a dresser, which we talked about last week with Rebecca, because I want my storage bed. But I actually kind of like it. As long as you have enough storage. I have a dresser in, like, my closet. If you have a massive closet. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually really like it because there's, like, stuff doesn't, or stuff doesn't get all junked up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not really a lot of surfaces to, like, put your discarded clothes, like, throw your your duffel bag that you never unpack, you know, mm. all those things. To get messy that, like, every day. Yeah. It's I have something nice. that helps with that, too. It's called my dog, who gets into everything. <laughs> so if you don't put it up, it's ruined. It's just ruined. So it forces you to tidy up. He, he's really a giver. <laughs> so 
So if you need one of those, I can also okay, pass that great. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hold you accountable. So what about offices? Is there any tricks to those, or is it also how do you function, what level of work you're doing in them? Do you find more people are working from home? or Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and having the functionality, or excuse me, having the flexibility to go between working maybe in their office and working at home. Mm-hmm. So being able to transition back and forth. So they don't need a full-blown office, but they just need something where they can get away and get their work done. Um, that does go back to functionality because really what is the primary focus of the space? What do you want to accomplish? You want to get your work done, but you want it to be pretty too. So just making sure that wherever your workstation is within your reach are all your components. And anymore we don't have as much to reach for as we used right. to because everything's on the computer. Right, and Wi-Fi printers, you don't right. even have to go your printer. No, exactly. I have to I have to say something, okay? What? So I was at my cousin's house. And I'm going to call her out right now. So she just moved to Atlanta not very long ago, Jessica. Jessica. Um, <laughs> Did you call her out? I'm calling her out now. This is it. I'll be What's her name? her a link. <laughs> Jessica. So this beautiful, generously sized home, she works from home full time. So she's touring me around this house. We get to this bedroom and an armoire. She opens the armoire and she's like, this is my office. <gasps> That's so she's desk. Yeah, so she's looking to the corner of this room. Her back is to a window, and that's where she works all day, every day. And I said, I'm depressed. I'm depressed looking at this. Why have you shoved yourself full-time into this corner? You have this whole house. Why don't you just set a little desk up downstairs in your beautiful sunroom? You know, she had this big kitchen, keeping room, sunroom, huge space with these beautiful big windows and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I'm like, just a, t- you just a tiny place to sit with your computer is all you need. And you could like yeah. look out on your beautiful backyard that you just landscaped instead of sitting in the corner of this room. That's depressing. I didn't, yeah. I, but I think people do that. They don't think about, I How can mobile work you can and be. I can work anywhere. And right. where's going to, where's the space that's going to let me feel joy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. be inspired and look around, even if I'm a, a tax accountant, you know, don't shove yourself in a corner mm-hmm. with no window. Like, have a pretty Being able to flex back and forth. For your work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. Just because it's work, don't... It's don't be beautiful. Yeah, don't think you need to shove it into a, a, a place that you have to hide either. Because like you said, you could hide everything up in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. All your papers and mm-hmm. all that stuff in the armoire. But you could have like a little area where you sit with your computer. And mm-hmm. with wireless mm-hmm. printers these days, you can be anywhere. Do anything. I am like... <laughs> I mean, you, you have to have, like, paper storage for bills and stuff, but we really don't even have that much paper compared to how we used to, uh-uh. you know? Cause Most bills are electronic these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. You used I to mean, have file storage. Yeah. yeah. You used to. Not as much now. No. Yeah. It's all in the cloud. You scan it. <laughs> scan it, send it away. And shred it. Scan That's it right. and shred it. Yeah. <laughs> So do you have any products that you feel are especially conducive for tricky situations? So do you, is there something that you come back to over and over for clients or customers where like, oh, well, we need a, something for a corner in every bathroom we do. Or, um, you know, kitchens are always needing these and I'm always using this item over and over. Do you have any of those go-tos that seem to come up again and again? Like I feel like when we're doing rooms, um, for the catalog, we're always using upholstered cubes or little X benches or what mm-hmm. just to that's add. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Sorry, you take. No, no, no. That's exactly <laughs> it. You're right on it. It's just those little tiny occasional pieces where you can cluster them together, like you can mask them out 
do twos and threes, but then when you need them, you can divide them up and use them here and there. You can pull them up to your point, Karen, when you're like your Jessica is working <laughs> and she has her cup of coffee or her glass of wine or whatever. She can pull a little occasional piece over. It's just really those multifunctional pieces. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the best for any tricky situation because they can morph or change as they're needed depending on what the function is. Are there any rules about um, window treatments in types of rooms? Like if it's a bedroom, it should have drapery that's to the floor, and if it's a dining room, it should have plantation shutters or anything like that. I feel like people struggle with the windows and what to do with them. Yeah. Do you do you notice that? Or is um, it just me? I, I think the only thing that we observe or we've come across in the stores or just in general with the decorating dilemmas and things is how to hang the drapery panels. Um, the key is you want, if you have beautiful windows, have the functionality of being able to keep them open. You want to see that outside. You want it to be able to be beautiful. But then if you're one of those not morning people, say in your bedroom (laughs) and you really need it to be dark, you want it to be able to close. So is there a rule of thumb? Not really. That really comes down to personal preference, what your function is going to be. And then once you determine those two things, how, where do you go from there? Because some people, they just don't want to fuss with those drapery panels. Mm-hmm. They're like, give me the plantation shutters. But really with windows, I find, I, it's just my personal preference, what a beautiful place to lay gorgeous textiles, because I'm kind of partial to beautiful textiles. Hanging those beautiful textiles just to frame that window and soften it, especially like in bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like I said, the biggest challenge is, where do you hang them? And always what you don't want to do is you don't want to crowd that window. Right, you don't you want to cover want, up the view. No, right? you should just frame, treat it almost as a frame. Like just kiss the edge of the window from left to right. Like window pane or window molding? Window mold. So when well, the glass stops, your yes. drapery starts. There you go. Okay. Yep. And then top to bottom, you want to hang it as high as possible without it being awkwardly tall. In other words, say you're, you've got 12 inches above your window, then in that particular case, split the difference and put it six inches, or you could go all the way to the top and have that full 12 inches. Um, you know what I do? What? What? Hang it right at the top. No. Oh. I figure out how, <laughs> I pick the biggest drapery panel, or like the drapery panel that the longest, the most, uh-huh. and then I hit it to where the drapery panel hits the floor. You know what I mean? So like, oh, I got it, my, got it, got it, got it. So my windows are like a hundred and like twelve, mm-hmm. or like my ceilings are like say like one twenty. I a one twenty panel is going to be too tall because you've got at least mm-hmm. a couple inches before you can you know get it, and then you've got your rings and stuff. Right, the so rod takes some space. Yeah, yeah, so I'll do like the one hundred eight, and then I'll hang it like six or seven inches above the window, mm-hmm. and then there's another six inch break. Mm-hmm. So that way I don't have to hem my panels. No, you don't want to hem. <laughs> Anyways, that's Do my you, trick. in your own home, Miriam, are you always moving furniture around? Mm, no. No. <laughs> well, because... Well... Because, <laughs> like, we're talking about furniture arrangement and laying out a room. I, I mean, I often find in my own home, I, it takes me a try or two, you know, to, well, to see, make I, sure I like it or to move it around. And, and I don't... I feel like people shouldn't be afraid to drag it around and move it no well let 
Yeah, let me classify that. The reason I don't is because I've done that. I've mm -hmm. moved everything around, determined what's the best layout, and then, okay, this is the best layout. I'm committing to it. Right, done. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean if I get a new piece of furniture, I'm going to play around with it? Absolutely, and see if it's going to be absolutely amazing in a different way. Mm -hmm. But as far as the function is concerned of it, you know, you have your massive sofa. Okay, in my particular house, I have my sofa, I have two chairs, I have an entertainment center. You know, there's... A, Unless you change the footprint or what those pieces of furniture are, there's in my my living room, it's small. There's not much other way you can lay it out. Right. So if I bring occasional chairs in or occasional tables in, I'm moving those all about. But those major pieces, right. you work with it a few th times, to your point, moving around just to see if it fits. Yep, fits. Yeah, there's only so but many ways you But never be afraid. It. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be afraid to mm -hmm. experiment with it. And the good news is, if you ever run into that function, that layout problem, our stores <laughs> have design consultants on hand that can scale your room and help you lay it out. Or if you submit the decorating dilemma, we can help you with that. Mm -hmm. floor and plan. our floor planner is awesome. I know we talked about it last time, but we just got to reiterate it. It's very it's, easy to use. It just, is. You plug in the exact dimensions of your room. You can put in a like a doorway, wherever they are, mm -hmm. and then you can put in a sofa. And you can, if you've been looking at our Eaton sofa, you can put in the exact dimensions of that Eaton sofa and turn it this way, turn it that way, move it here, put it against this wall, float it, and mm -hmm. like just test everything out. And mm -hmm. I do, um, when I'm doing those, because I'm not a pro like you guys, but um, like you were saying, oh, I need that much egress, 30 inches or 36 inches, or I need, you know, 18 inches between my sofa and my coffee table. Well, I'll draw boxes that are that size. So it's almost like I have a little piece of furniture that I'm moving around to make sure it fits. So it's like I have a 36 Ooh, inch square. So I stick that in and make sure like, okay, that's the 36 On the planner or in the, the room? Planner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or an 18 inch one and I'll mm -hmm. make sure that there's room between the sofa yeah. and the coffee table. I just buy it, drag it home, <laughs> move things around until I do we're that happy. too. Terrible well, you know, I never it. measure anything. That's yeah, true. that's true. I just yeah. drag it home. Well, you know, one thing you could do, the reason I was asking that is because one thing you could do, and I've seen people do in the past, is they'll take wrapping paper oh, yeah. or craft paper. And if you really just don't know what you're doing and you just need a visual, you're like one of those visual people and you don't have much furniture in the space, just clear out the room for a day and start playing around with your pieces of paper that are about the size mm -hmm. of a sofa because your standard sofa is going to be about 86 inches long and about 34-ish inches deep. Cut you a big piece of paper and lay it out there or take that painter's tape, that blue painter's tape, tape that out on the floor mm -hmm. and just start getting a feel for the footprint of what mm -hmm. that's going to be like. You can do it at your chairs and your coffee tables. So. Right. And can I still walk through here? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Y'all will taught me how to use an architectural scale this summer. Awesome. It is. life-changing. <laughs> life yeah. You were talking about the other day how in love with it you are. Oh my God. It's so fun. He is like, you are such a goober because I'll just like sit with <laughs> sit with our drawings and like draw it this way erase it draw it this way he's like you can use trace paper for that but anyways i just think it's really freeing but the floor planner does the same thing you yeah just, exactly you can draw out your dimensions and yeah yeah move it all around yeah mm -hmm. awesome. i do like the floor planner the exciting part about it is that's our our design consultants they use that yeah that's the tool they use mm-hmm so let me ask you this, Miriam. What do you think the the most often uh, mistake the mistake you see people make the most often when they're doing their own rooms? Lining their furniture on the walls around the room, mm -hmm. pushing everything pushing out. pushing everything out. 
that that is it. Because if you're saying, you know, kind of think about an eight by ten mm-hmm. or room within a room, you know, pull it away from the wall and and have an imaginary wall. Build your room in that mm-hmm. sort of space, whether there's a wall there or not, and that works. You're telling us that works. We can or trust you start- on this. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like it's such a great tip, though. I never thought about it like that. Just to ma- like create however many yeah. eight by ten rooms in your space mm-hmm. that you can. The thing with that is, you just typically you need an an anchor or one wall that is your anchor wall. Um, if you float that eight by ten block or conversation cluster out in the middle of the room, if you start with that co- conversation cluster, that eight by ten block. You kind of need a like an anchor for it. So if you pull it out in the middle of the room, you just have to be able to somehow anchor it within the space so it's not like you don't end up with 12 inches all the way around the room. Uh-huh. Like it's going to have to favor one side of the room to set up your traffic flow within uh-huh. the space. So that's why I said if you walk into a room and you don't have a focal point, and you're just looking at it, okay, what's your biggest wall? What's your most dominant wall in the space? And build, that's your anchor for your 8 by 10 or that's your anchor for your conversation cluster and build out from there. Got it. So sometimes that doesn't mean that's the wall that your sofas will be on, but that's where you start one side of that 8 by 10 or one side of that conversation cluster. Cool. cool. I like Makes it. sense to me. I'm Is like mentally going thing? through all my rooms. Are you guys? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Modern, perfect, done. It's so funny. I have that same th- in our house, though. We open the front door, and I have the same setup as yours, mm-hmm. where the sofa is to the left, and I have two chairs just like that because there's there's just not much you can do now. To the mm-hmm. right, I have a little half wall, so I have this little console table. It's really, you know, everything gets dumped right there. But when you walk in, now one of the things that I've done is put a little side table with a um, lamp. So at least, and I've eased it off the wall a little bit, so you're not walking into the lamp. So there's, you know, there's some space there. But at least it's illuminated. You mm-hmm. feel like it's not heavy. You're not walking mm-hmm. into that brick wall. But uh-huh. it's the same thing. I have that same issue with mine. I do like that idea of the lamp because um, when you walk in my front door, right on the left is that little round table I was saying with this tiny little petite lamp. And I love, and I have other lamps scattered around the room. We talk yeah. about lighting all the time. Yeah. But I've... Turning on that lamp, mm-hmm. it's so weird to me because when you turn it on at night, it somehow makes that entrance feel so welcoming when you walk yes. in the front door. It's like, oh, this room is alive mm-hmm. and, um, you know, come on in. I don't know. It's weird. It's just that, yeah. It's without just... having to, without even having to take a step into the room, mm-hmm. there's something right there that feels warm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's weird, but yeah. I like it. I turn it on every night, even when I do coming too. over. I do too. <laughs> like I should that... probably put on a timer. That's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. Why aren't we smarter? Man, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Because um, we do the exact same thing. That's the lamp in our room. Because our ours kind of bleeds out into the dining area over here and the kitchen behind that. And that's the l- lamp that we start with every single day mm-hmm. or e- every single evening. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like it. I do too. <laughs> Should we do our decorating a little bit? Is there anything else we need to talk about? <coughs> we covered a lot. Not, yeah. Sorry, not different my mind. Yeah, I feel like well, okay, that yeah, I feel like we covered a lot. I, I think if anyone has any other questions, we're going to give them your personal cell phone number, Miriam, and you can help them learn how to lay out a room. Decorating blocks. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> as long as they send me chocolate.
so we'll do some decorating dilemmas. Yep. First, we have Catherine with a C. Catherine with a C. Okay. So it's not K. Just... Arrgh. Okay, so we have Catherine, and she writes, Hello, ladies. I've been living in my little house for 15 years, and unfortunately, I'm not a Vanderbilt, and I can't completely update my spaces <laughs> by replacing everything and starting from scratch. Mm. I thought the best way to get current, but not too trendy at this point, would be to replace my chandeliers. My living room is small, but has 12-foot ceilings. I have a crystal chandelier, but as I approach 50, I'm not just... Uh, I'm just not able to climb a ladder to clean it. Wait, I have to interrupt Catherine. <laughs> Miriam? Yeah, I'm right. I'm, may or may I not know, be 50. I know where you're <laughs> going with this one. Karen? May or may not be 48. Let's get on some yoga, some hot yoga. <laughs> so we can climb those ladders. That's true. I never really thought about having to clean a crystal chandelier. Me either. Me neither. Huh. Well, Does it get that dusty? I guess. Can't well, you, you use have a an older house. Stick? Well, sometimes those crystals. Crystal. Well, no, sometimes those crystals like have to be. Yeah, that's make true. Them pretty to make and them shiny. Pretty. You but have she to, does like, say it's a dust collector. Out. Yeah. Oh. So. Okay. It's just a dust collector, she says. And again, it looks a little outdated and tired to me. Any suggestions for a replacement? Also, I've just received a commissioned piece of art from my bedroom. Ooh. I'm totally in love with it, and it has inspired me to switch things up in the room as well. But again, my chandelier screams 90s, and <laughs> it does nothing to complement my new piece of art. I love some sparkle, and this room is only 8 feet high, so cleaning this fixture would be no problem. Also, my last request is, how do I choose a lighting fixture that flow, fixtures that flow through the house without looking too matchy-matchy? I want that visual consistency and not have a fixture in one room that looks completely different from the rest of the fixtures, if that makes any sense, but also complements the style and feel of that individual room. Thanks from the famously hot town of Columbia, South Carolina. Which is where my son went to college. <laughs> Go Gamecocks. <laughs> I think Catherine has such a pretty house. I mean, it's this it's beautiful cute. palette. It's a very subdued palette in her living room. And it has little pops of sort of looks like rose and pink and blush pillows. But everything's sort of a linen color. It's very acquired. Yes. It's very acquired. Very, very sophisticated, yeah. though, and elegant. Yeah. But that's where she has her crystal chandelier. And then... In her bedroom, I always like to describe the photos. I've taken mm. that on as my role on the show, okay? Got it. Um, <laughs> and in her bedroom, this art is gorgeous. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a landscape. Um, looks like it has some beautiful blush in it, but with some greens and blues. And you're right. I do feel like that chandelier in your bedroom is a little dated. It feels a little, like, almost Tuscan or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of a drop pendant with some curly, curvy, cuey things and some crystals hanging off and of it. And frosted glass. And frosted glass. All right, Mary, you're the expert. What should she do? Um, well, I think going, let's start with the matchy-matchy thing and that she wants to be consistent. So in this particular case, you know, if you pick out two light fixtures, two chandeliers that you absolutely love, they're going to work together. Because, I mean, if you look at her bedroom and you look at her living room, the vibes are similar. They're it's the same girl. Exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. if you follow that same rule with your chandeliers, don't worry about a matching. Just go with what you love. Like, pick something that speaks to your soul, to your spirit, that when you look at it, you can't forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, as far as the style, that's what I would recommend for her. But then as far as um, the look for the room, um, she definitely could go with something... It's a traditional room. I mean, it's a traditional 
right? It's got a rolled arm yeah. sofa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she's got a lot of symmetry, so it's a Very dressier living room. She, you know, she has a fireplace with a mirror and art on either side and the yeah it's all very symmetrical which tends to make things feel more formal when things are symmetrical Mm -hmm. like that um so it's a dressier room i have a lamp suggestion a a lamp oh sorry chandelier oh chandelier suggestion i think if well well let me preface this by saying i actually don't mind the chandelier in this room the crystal Mm -hmm. the crystal one yeah it doesn't bother me if it were me i would probably spend my money elsewhere but if she really wants something different i think her casa florentina via reggio that red lantern that karen you have in her your i dining have it room. in my dining room mm. and it it's would, very open there's no glass you would never have to clean it yes you would never have to clean it and it would go beautifully with the color palette you've sort of set up mm-hmm. love the color with that but I think also that's a great our bamboo um pendant because i think something yeah like the things we're describing are open kind of cage like things Mm -hmm. um the bamboo has it's gold Mm -hmm. um it's very classic but i think it would lend to the formality of this room like Mm -hmm. the other pendant that you're describing as well but they're neither of them have any glass in them um but they would feel a little bit more current i think what you're saying is right caroline where the chandelier is pretty but if you want something that's going to make it feel a little bit trendier, yeah, you could definitely switch it out for something else. So both of those suggestions, it's very interesting. Both of them have very traditional roots, very traditional starts, but because of the way that they're finished or the way that they're, we've treated them like um, with the Casa Florentina piece because of its color, it really brings it current. Mm-hmm. So to her point, She's not going trendy. She's not going crazy. However, she she does have the roots and the tradition of where her room is. Yeah. Can I make one other suggestion? Yeah. Okay. I, if I were you, Catherine, I would take these two um, paintings that are on either side of your mirror. Mm-hmm. They're really pretty. I would stick them to one side. Stack them. And em. stack them. And then maybe pick another, like maybe you pick an abstract art piece in a similar color palette or like a pretty, I don't know, probably, actually I'd probably do an abstract art piece and put that on the other side. I think that would be another way to like add a little more modern edge. Well, it would um, probably, she has a, a fireplace we're looking at and there's a, a chair tucked to the side of the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And if she did have that art stacked with the chair so it kind of is going lower down close to where the chair starts, it would feel very conversational over there and she could even put beautiful plant or something over on the left mm-hmm. if she didn't want or a locational it. table and a floor lamp, lamp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah another thing Thanks. that could be really fun is um add some pattern to the pillows i love the colors mm-hmm. but just bringing one fun um bold um again a pattern that is grounded in tradition a traditional feel but has a fresh approach to it just because of the color i think it add a really nice pop to the sofa our Raina fabric would look really pretty. Oh, there here. you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be beautiful. Raina coral. But keeping mm-hmm. that same palette. Mm-hmm. It looks like the last pillow might have a tiny bit of pattern, but it maybe a little bolder pattern. Yeah, something mm-hmm. a little more bold. So I did, when we first started this conversation, before we, were, before we started recording, I was saying I think her crystal chandelier that she has in her living room would be beautiful in her bedroom. Because she's mm-hmm. saying that she likes a little sparkle in there mm-hmm. and that it's not a problem to clean. So why not move that to the bedroom where you... That's true. You know, mm-hmm. I love a crystal chandelier in a bedroom. It's very romantic and pretty, and and then you don't have to buy two. You're moving one in there, and then you've got one for your living room. 
Yeah. What do y'all think of that? Nice to go a little bit. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably like, uh, like that. a big chandelier in a bedroom. Probably the only thing I would think about is that just measuring, looking at the chandelier because it's reflecting in the mirror mm-hmm. in her living room. It just oh. thinking the height of it. Mm-hmm. She probably take a tape measure just to see how far it's going to drop. Right. And then that would help. Because if Cause you have to walk under it, right. But if it's over the bed, you wouldn't have to walk exactly. under it. Exactly. But right. if you had to but walk under it, you don't want to bonk your head on it. Yeah. Yeah, that would not be good. But it's a perfect look. I love that the whole look for her bedroom. It's really soft. Mm-hmm. And um, it'd be pretty with her new art. Mm-hmm. I think she needs a rug in her bedroom to layer on top of what looks to me like a wall to wall. And I think wow, that you've got a good good eye. Caroline is. I think she is, is yeah, on she's it. She's like Sherlock Holmes. That she needs. Our rug. <laughs> I can't it's see not it. Coming up now. She's showing no. us her laptop, but there's no picture. <laughs> Our Malvern rug. There it comes. You're talking about her living room or dining room? Her bedroom. Wait. I mean, bedroom. so you think in her bedroom she needs a little pattern? Yeah, that'd be beautiful pretty. rug. It's sort of the a very traditional. But do you think pretty. that would be pretty with her coverlet? She has like a big, large green leaf pattern coverlet. Yeah, why not? Well, that looks like an all spa blue rug. I couldn't tell. It's blue and it has a little pinky purple and it has a little sort of like warm color. It, It'd well, be beautiful with the art. I don't know exactly what the art looks like, but from this photo, that yes. looks like the color palette. And you can here. get swatches of all of our rugs for free. Yes, you can. So you could get a swatch of the Malvern rug. We have lots of other really pretty blue rugs that have maybe more of the color palette based on. I was just thinking that that one has that little bit of pink, purple, which your painting does. Yeah, it does. It would be beautiful with that painting. Um, Miriam, in a room like this, does... Bedroom or the living room? Bedroom. Rug placement. So if I buy like an 8 by 10 rug, most of that's under the bed. Mm-hmm. That stinks. Mm-hmm. But that's how it's supposed to go? Like I'm just my feet are just supposed to land on it when I get out of the bed? Yes, exactly. Okay. If it's an 8 by 10, yeah. It keeps most of it clean. I know that's you true. You think of it yeah. that way. Then you can rotate it if you drop Then you something. just have feet for luxury. Mm. Okay, but here's the thing. What? She has wall to wall carpet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, like so a runner at the foot? If it were me, I would feel like you could pull the rug, like cheat it towards the end because your feet are already landing on something soft. <laughs> True. Okay, she didn't even ask about a rug, guys. I know, we were a little <laughs> digression. Well, but we do have some guides on the website on how to decorate about rug placement in bedrooms. Yes. Put a link to those, Caroline, because yes. they're really great because it shows... You know, the measure, what size rug right. you need and how to place it in mm-hmm. lots of different rooms. Because mm-hmm. it is hard. They're it, tricky. Well, and again, goes back to how big the room is. Because right. you might have the, in the larger rooms where we have those, all those sitting areas, that space <laughs> for sitting areas, we can pull it out a lot maybe or just mm-hmm. pull it out completely. Yeah. She does a really pretty house. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like the rules are more relaxed when it's a layered rug versus the main rug in your room. When you have carpet you know I mean? and you're laying yes. something on top. So That's true. It's Good really, point. yes. It can be a little more. It's more it's of an more, accent. Yeah. Not as, not as practical. Okay. We have one more. Yeah? Yeah? We do have another. Yay. It's from Ron and Brandy. Um, and they said, hello. About 10 years ago, I was gifted some beautiful vintage china that belonged to my husband's grandmother. It's Gray's Pottery from Stoke-on-Trent, and I believe that it was hand-painted and one of a kind. Amazingly, though, it's Depression era. I I have a setting for 10, including soup bowls with saucers and several serving pieces. I've always loved it, but I have never figured out how to use it in a modern way that also honors its history. 
I've recently relocated to Decatur, Georgia from Tampa, Florida, and in the process upgraded my table to an Andrews double pedestal, purchased the Myers drapery panels and sky, and finished with the Lewis hand-hooked rug. Lo and behold, the colors of that vintage china are the same colors as in the rug. What types of textiles and accessories do you suggest to tie the whole room together and make my vintage china stand out? Thanks so much, Brandy. First of all, Brandy, welcome to Atlanta. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. You live in Decatur. It's a great part of town. It's almost. Hit the DeKalb Farmer's Market. You're going to love it. I was there this weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like Scott. it if you haven't been there yet. Go yeah. to Scott's Antique Market. Go to Scott's Market. Antique Market. I feel like she's kind of already done what she's asking yeah. us about. I was she's just, like pulled an amazing room together. I think it looks great. It does look and great. And it was, goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you really go with what you love, if you always stick to what what you love, it just naturally falls together. So she loves her pottery. She loves her rug. And look, she pulled the Myers panels together. It looks awesome. It, it does look amazing. I, I mean, I think you nailed it. Yeah. I don't know sure. what other textile you could add to the room. Unless it'd be a tabletop textile. Right. Like a runner or something. But that might take away from it even. Yeah. I don't think she needs any more textiles, but I, I did have one idea. What? What? Okay. I was thinking it would be really cute to do a little gallery wall. I've only seen kind of one wall where this might fit, but a little teeny one on this sort of, she has a dark navy wall color. Mm, mm-hmm. and I was thinking it would be, it'd be cute. Um, so we have a new petite gallery collection. There's one that's a spice color palette. Mm-hmm. She could also, you know, kind of cobble together things that maybe she has already or things she likes online or whatever. But that would be a great example. The Petite Gallery. And then work in some of her pottery. Yeah, I was so going to say hang, hang some of this pottery mm-hmm. up on the wall mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, maybe you don't use the serving pieces a lot. Or if you have some platters yeah. or something and mm-hmm. a few plates around it, that would be a beautiful way to... It's pretty easy to take them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, True. you just, like, put on the little clamps, hang it back up. So it's not like you can't just take it off the wall when you want to use it for dinner. or a pretty like salerno cabinet that's glass front and has that oh Belgian and display w- all your yeah, china and put it in there where people walking i don't know if the space allows it but if she had the space to give herself mm-hmm. a glass doors where she could display it um but keep it safe that's so smart yeah. like mm-hmm. an, yeah a glass front cabinet or something like that or even a corner cabinet mm-hmm. with that big white cabinet would look pretty with her white molding that would be gorgeous mm-hmm. yeah mm. very pretty we're so smart <laughs> Miriam, we didn't even let you talk. We just like well, bombarded you know, we just it. Talk. <laughs> Do you agree with our assessments? I love it. No, I think those are all great ideas, and especially when you talk about the little gallery walls. But if she, when she cobbled together all of her pieces, you know, if you think about it, if she could do everything light color where you really mm-hmm. see it against those dark walls. Yes. Yeah. You know, that would really be a great pop. But really I'm beautiful. I'm just talking like maybe four little art pieces. No, I and love like it. Two plates. Yeah. You know, in an asymmetrical mm-hmm, cool mm-hmm. too. So it doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah, because the pottery is beautiful, especially that red mm-hmm. band and how it works yeah. well with that rug. Yeah. It You're a lucky girl, like Brandy. A, like a rustic-y handmade. Yeah. I mean, I know it is handmade, but like there's like a little crackle in the bottom. and It's, it's beautiful. It's really pretty. Really pretty. pretty. And it does look beautiful with that, that rug that she selected. She's got the orb chandelier. Girl, Brandy. I mean, yeah, she no one is. needed us really. I feel like no. we should just have Brandy come be an expert on there the show. There you go. <laughs> looks amazing. It looks awesome. All right, cool. Well, Miriam, thanks for coming. You live in Tampa, so thanks for coming. I do. We, we lost her. She's up here to, to, to yeah, uh, she's Decatur. she's trying to get away from you. Yeah, she's probably like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. We miss her already. We'll come back anytime. 
Sure. Thanks. Anytime you're here. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll pick Fine. your brain on good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank cool. you for the advice. Yes. Sure. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app or subscribe to the podcast. We'd love that. You'll never miss an episode. And send us your questions at podcast at ballardscience.net. Um, you can find all the show notes for this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. So all the links to any of the products we've talked about, I'll put a link to the floor planner, our rug guide, all that good stuff. And um, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And until next time, happy, happy decorating! decorating.